I do want to say I'm excited about this message because I believe that uh, trust it will apply to every single one of us where we are in our lives. I want to talk to you today uh, about a man uh, who walked with Jesus, who experienced tremendous pressure, and there was a moment in his life where he made a decision that he never thought he would have made. He found himself in a place where he never thought he would find himself, and he failed. I want to talk to you today about Peter. Before I do that, speaking of pressure uh, and failure, it's interesting when you think about pressure, there was these three guys and they were in the wilderness and they came up to this raging river. Uh, they didn't know how to cross it. They thought, my gosh, you know, we could die if we just go across. One of the guys said, yeah, look, we're Christians. Just pray and ask God, man. God to do a miracle. So the first guy said, Lord, I'm just asking you, Lord, just to, just to help me. Give me the strength to cross it. Boom, God just, I mean, grew his muscles amazing, amazing, strong arms. He was able to get in that river, swim across, took him two hours. Next guy says, man, I'm a Christian. I'm going to pray too. He said, God, I'm going to ask you not only give me strength, but give me strength in a tool. God grew his muscles, boom, provided a boat. He got in the boat, took about an hour, but he crossed. It's amazing. They're safe on the other side. Third guy says, listen, I'm going to pray. I'm a Christian too. God, give me strength. Lord, give me a tool and Lord, give me wisdom. Boom, God made that man a man, a woman. Just turn, look, look, she, you know what she did? She pulled out the map. She walked down 10 minutes, walked across the bridge. It was already there and she got across in 15. Come on, ladies. Come on, ladies. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like guys, when we're with our wives, of course, this is before GPS and all the little things, a little, you know, uh, honey, I think we're lost. No, we're not. I know exactly where I am. No, we're lost. We're lost. We're lost. I want to talk to you today about, I want to talk to you today about failure and the situations that we get in that we never would have dreamed that we would have gotten in. It's interesting, I was thinking about growing up as a kid, I was born in 1968, I'm 50. I know I don't look it. You know, you know, you know you're thinking the same thing, but it's interesting, I remember as a kid growing up on Saturday morning, how many of y'all remember this? The wide world of what? sports. Remember on Saturday morning and they had that skier and that skier would, would, would come over and it talked about the thrill of what? Say it. Victory and the agony of what? Defeat. Your 16 year old's going, what's he talking about? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The fact is, is that the Bible is a collection of stories. It's God's voice to us, but it's also the stories of men and women of God. And the Bible does not sugarcoat anybody's life. It shows us the thrill of victory and the agonies of defeat. I had a guy tell me one time, I said, man, I wish I was in the Bible. I said, not me. Are you kidding me? You wish that you were in the Bible? No way, man. God shows all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Matter of fact, let, let me prove to you guys. Now, this is in the Bible. Don't judge me, all right? This it's in the Bible. Here we go. Noah, right? Noah, remember Noah built the big ark, amazing, saved a generation. Noah had a drinking problem. It's in the Bible. How about Abraham? Father Abraham and many sons, many sons, left hand, right hand. I know we start vacation Bible school tomorrow. But anyway, so they want me to kind of volunteer. But Abraham, remember him, the father of our faith, he had a little bit of a lying problem. How about Gideon, right? Gideon, the great deliverer. Well, he was a coward when we first picked up on the story. How about Jonah? He ran from God. Martha was a warrior. The disciples forsook Jesus. Elijah was a little suicidal at one point. He called down fire. God did miracles. And then he went up under a tree and said, God, kill me. I don't want to live anymore. Think about that. 
How about Paul? Paul was a murderer, persecutor of the church. How many of y'all feeling better about yourself right now? All this is in the Bible. This is the men and women of God in the Bible. I shared my story, I think maybe last year. I've, I've come four or five times, and it was last year, the year before, I shared a little bit of my story in 2010. Uh, I went through a tough time in my life. It was no immorality, but I went through a personal burnout, physical and emotional burnout. And I told you a little bit of the story of how to overcome depression, I think I talked about back then. And it was interesting, in my life, I began to realize that I was making some poor choices, but it was really too late. I had not taken care of myself physically, emotionally. I wasn't honoring the Sabbath in the sense of taking off. I wasn't renewing my mind, my heart, my spirit. And the fact is, I crashed, man. Physiologically, I crashed. It took me about a year to walk through that counseling. Point is, is that I don't believe that God caused that, but I believe that God can use that. See, failure can be our tombstone. Everyone say Tombstone. You know, you know people, and I know people, listen, they loved God, they had a relationship with God, but there was a disappointment, there was a failure, there was something, and they didn't respond to failure properly, and that failure became a tombstone. We don't even see them today. Or it can become a stepping stone into a brighter tomorrow. We can learn from it. We can grow through it. The fact is, is that the reason why I like Peter, and I can identify with Peter, is because I'm a like, like him. I love Peter because Peter was always saying the wrong thing, but he was always saying something I had a pastor on our staff. He goes, we were talking about, who, who do you relate to? This pastor on my staff, he goes, well, I like John. And I said, I John. He's just precious, isn't he? Lays his head on the breast of Jesus. He's just precious. I, don't, I mean, I like John, but I can relate to Peter. Because Peter's me. I grew up like Peter. I mean, in the 70s, they did experimental hyperactive drugs on me. Seriously. That explains it. They used to stick you under. How many of y'all remember they used to stick you under a desk? You can't do that anymore to kids. And just, I was so hyper. I was always, always getting in trouble. And every now and then I'd pin the tail on the donkey. Every now and then I'd get it right. That's Peter. Remember Peter? Remember when Jesus came in Caesarea Philippi, which is in northern Israel. And Jesus, he started interviewing. He said, who, hey guys, hey guys, y'all, y'all huddle up. Who do people say that I am? Well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Who, who do you guys say? Who, who, who do you guys say? Peter. He says, oh, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter goes, what what do you think? What do you think? And he goes, Jesus goes, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father in heaven. Next thing you know, Jesus goes, I'm about to go to Jerusalem. Peter goes, don't do that. (laughs) Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. How many of you know, can y'all relate to Peter? You know what I'm talking. (laughs) I mean, how can you do that within 30 seconds? That's called a home run and a foul ball all in the same stride. I mean, give me a break. How about, how about, listen, how about this one? Jesus is coming. It's the night hour and they're not sure who it is. And, 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 and then Peter says, Peter says, bid me to come. He gets out on the water. He starts walking a little bit. By the way, I had a guy tell me one time, he goes, you know, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and he sunk. I said, when was the last time you took four steps on, an eight, on a lake? <laughs> At least he got out the boat. Bid me to come. Flesh and blood. I mean, this guy was used of God. But by the way, listen to me. I want to encourage every single one of you because maybe you're going through failure in your life. Maybe you're experiencing. Maybe you're trying to pick up the shrapnel of it. I got a good news message for you. God is a perfect God, but he uses imperfect people. How many of y'all are grateful for that? God is a perfect God. A perfect God. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, the failure that Peter is probably best known for is when he denied Jesus. Not once, not twice. The King James Bible says thrice, three times. Jesus 
was denied by Peter. I'll give you a little backstory here, one minute, then I'll jump into this. Those of you that remember the story, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's interesting, I went to Israel probably the first time 10, 15 years ago. And on the base of the Mount of Olives, you can see, they actually have olive trees 2,000 years old. Some of the olive trees that are there, the Mount of Olives, like an olive. So at the base of that, there was what's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And primarily the garden consisted of olive trees. And it was there that Jesus went and he poured out his soul. And the Bible says, do you guys remember this? That he came and he knelt down and he was praying and he was praying so intently as of drops of blood. There was blood coming out of his body. But do you guys remember who was right behind him? Peter, James, and who? John. It wasn't Peter, Paul, and Mary. It was Peter, James, and John. Do you remember that? And they were back here. And what were they doing? They were praying. They were praying. And so Peter's here. He's watching all this. Next thing you know, Jesus gets up. And who comes in? Here comes the, 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 the people with swords and spears and all this. And once again, Peter, right? He's going to fight him. He tries to cut off an ear. Jesus says, don't do that. Puts it back on. And it was at that moment that Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. There was multiple trials that happened with Jesus. The first trial that he had to do was under the Jewish people. And then he, the last trial was under the Roman people. And Jesus went to Caiaphas' house, the ruling high priest of Israel. That was customary for anyone that was tried for treason. They would show up at his house first. He would, he would, he would look upon him. He would take the facts and he'd make a ruling. The Bible says that there was one disciple that was there. There was one. Now, John was at the cross, but John was not here at this night. We pick up in Luke chapter 22, verse 54, in this moment. And the scripture says, having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he, Peter, denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw and said to him, you, you are also with them. You, you're one of those guys. But Peter said, man, I am not. If you understand the language there, it's an emphatic sense. In other words, he raised his voice to deny Jesus. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately. Everyone say immediately. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And that Peter remembered. He remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Earlier that night, we have, they had now what we know is the Last Supper. And it was in that moment when Jesus was talking to his disciples and all of them for the last time. And he said that someone was going to deny. Do you remember what Peter said? Peter was the one. What did he say? I'm not going to do it. Everybody else around this table may do it. Not me. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Yet the Bible says that at that third moment, when Peter denies Jesus, the rooster the rooster crows. It's interesting when you begin to think about Peter's life and how he walked with Jesus and the passion that he had for Christ. And Peter never dreamed that he'd have been in that situation. Did you think for a moment when Peter laid down his fishing net three and a half years before this, do you think that this thing would end up this way? 
Do you think that Peter had anything in his mind that he thought to himself, listen, they're going to get to a moment. Jesus is about to go to the cross. This is going to be the night that it happens. And matter of fact, I'm going to deny him. Listen, I've talked to people. I've talked to, to men. I've talked to women. I've talked to different, uh, listen, that have said, Pastor, I never, listen, I never dreamed I would have gone there. I never dreamed I would have done that. And I can't believe that I actually went there. Pastor, when we started out in this relationship, I never thought, I never thought it would end this way. I never thought that, that this would have happened to me. When I started out in business, listen, I'm telling you, my heart was pure. The problem was there was more outflow than income. And I knew that I could just do this. And I thought I would do it one time. I didn't think it was going to extend into this. I, I never thought. And then the next thing you know, I kind of got caught up in this thing. And, and, and it got out of my control. And I never thought I would have ended up there. That's exactly where Peter was. Peter was in a situation where he, the pressures of life came on him and he crossed the line. He went too far and he made a really poor choice. Not once, not twice, but three times. Maybe you can relate to Peter. I've been married 24 years, I have four children. My daughter's here. I think she's in the, the youth right now and enjoying that over there. And she, she um, wonderful girl. And I, I, I remember when, when Jennifer and I got married, matter of fact, I've done lots of weddings and I've, I've done funerals but I've done a lot more weddings and funerals and I, it's interesting I, I, I look into the eye of that young couple and, and maybe at some age I've married different people at different ages and, but, but I do not believe for one moment that they're thinking at all about the problems to come they're thinking about the pleasure to be had they're thinking about that honeymoon and it's exciting and man we're this is so they only thought they may be thinking that as remotely negative as how are we gonna pay this off but anyway so maybe that's it okay maybe that's it maybe that's it but the truth is their hearts are filled with joy and excitement of what is to come so Jennifer and I were I never dreamed the first five six years of my marriage some of the situations that I was going to get in because of the pressure some of the things that I was about to say to her. You guys know that there's things, there's statements that are said to us as kids that are not in the Bible that our mom said that they were. Do y'all remember that? I'm serious. There's things that are, I don't know where they are in some book, but, but our moms said there was things in the Bible. Let, let me give you one, all right? Here, here, here's one. God helps those who help them what? Okay. She would say that as a precursor right before she said, you got to make your bed. If you don't make your bed, you know, the Bible says, well, that's not in the Bible, all right, mom? But anyway, it's a, okay, it's not in the Bible. Here, here's another ism. These are isms. They're in a book over here. I don't know where the book is, but there's a book. You know what I'm saying? Here's another one. Y'all ready? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Sticks and stones may what? But words will what? Okay, that's a lie. Truth is, you break your arm, sir. Six weeks later, that thing's good as go. Let me tell you, you can, you can, it's stronger there than the other arm. But you had a coach, you had a mom, you had a dad, you had an uncle, you had a teacher say something. You'll never amount to anything. You're going to be a loser just like you'll never do. Those words pierce the soul. There was words that I said to my wife for six, seven years of marriage. Man, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm ashamed of them. Thank God for the blood of Christ and another chance because I'm going to tell you right now, they were very, pressure. See, when pressure comes on us, it's amazing the choices that we get. Sometimes we, it, it, pressure causes us at, even at times to operate outside of our character. Wow. Look at the focus that Peter had. So there's the fall and then look at the focus. The focus is that there's always this chance. 
After a fall, there's always this chance for us to turn inward rather than look upward. Look at verse 62. The Bible says, so Peter went out and he wept bitterly. There's an interesting choice of words here I wrote. He went out and wept. He wept what? Not just wept, but wept bitterly. It's often after we fall. It's often after we make a mistake. It's often after a poor choice that we can be bitter with God, bitter with ourselves, and bitter with life in general. And we start moving into what I call the coulda, woulda, shoulda realm. You know what I'm talking about? The why did this happen to me? And why did it not happen to them? Can you imagine Peter? He could have went to Jesus and said, Jesus, at least I showed up. I'm the only one here. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Man, I showed up. And where's John, your buddy? <laughs> I'm kind of putting some stuff in there, but I think it could happen. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we start comparing ourselves with our brothers and our sisters, our friends, our natural, our spiritual family, the people, our neighbor, and why did this happen to them? Something happened to your kid, or you got married to this person. You said, Lord, you never told me this person was partially demon-possessed. When you, you Don't laugh too loud. Don't look to the right or left. Definitely don't. Don't do that. But isn't it amazing how we... We can get bitter with life, we can get bitter with God, we can get bitter with ourselves. We can get into self-hatred and I always do this and this happens, man, my gosh, and we start turning inward. I want to break something down for you guys. Whenever you know, listen, whenever you know that you're moving into a bitterness zone, I call it a bitterness zone. By the way, there's an apple that's offered to every single one of us after failure, and it's called the apple of bitterness. The writer of Hebrews calls it a root and the root of bitterness is, it's, it's an offer. It's a, and the offer is, if you start eating on it, you turn inward. Do you know after you fall, you don't turn inward. You're supposed to look upward. Your help doesn't come from within. Your help comes from up there. God is, where does your help come from? The help comes from the Lord, the creator and the maker of the heavens and the earth. And the reality is that Peter got stuck in the why, just for a moment, just for a moment. Why'd this happen to me and why that? How many times have we said that to ourselves and times when I've gone through? I remember in those first early years as a marriage where, where, where I, I remember in my mind, I thought to myself, but God, the reason why this has happened is because, Lord, there's some hurts in her that I didn't even know that were there. And, 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 and I wish that, and I even had some of these thoughts that, oh God, I wish, I wish that, well, I wish that you would have actually been healed prior to this because this caused me, and that's a why issue? Why did this happen? Let me tell you the great question that we should ask ourselves is not why, but what now? What now, God? What? Everybody say, what now? Say, not why, but what now? See, the why will always get you caught up in what my good friend says, analysis paralysis. It'll get you evaluating things. It'll get you comparing things. But the what now? The what now positions you for growth. It positions you for increase. It positions you for forward momentum. It positions you differently. Matter of fact, Pastor Brett, we went on a tour yesterday. Isabel, myself, Pastor Brett, and we had somebody. It was, it was fantastic. Can I tell y'all something? Oh my gosh, this is so funny. This is so, um, this is respectful. This is so funny. We're in the car and we were in this little rental car and pa the pastor said, man, it's hot up here. And we had this, this uh, incredible international driver guy who was from the middle, uh, from uh, Bulgaria. And pastor Brett goes, man, it's hot up here. I said, well, pastor, I was joking with him. I said, pastor, you know what? It's, you know, we're just talking about God. The fire God's hitting us. You know, he goes, mom, I'm telling you, it is hot. Is there a seat warmer? The guy goes, no, there's no seat warmer at all. There's no seat warmer. And pastor Brett goes, man, turn the air up, turn the air up, turn the air up. So the guy, so the guy gets in the car, pastor Brett gets in the back with us. 
About 30 minutes later, the guy goes, man, it's hot up here. Is there a seat warmer? And the, guy, and the Bulgarian guy goes, no, no, there's no seat warmer. There's no seat warmer. There's no seat warmer. Finally, after he went to one of these things, he came back. He says, there's a seat warmer. I looked over the brother of Bulgarian. I said, do you know what the word repentance means? <laughs> It was the seat thing underneath the seat that you turn it on. What is my point? None. I have no idea why I even said that. I just thought of that. It was just funny. I'm sorry. I got to get back to the Bible. Oh, 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 no, the tour. That's right, the tour. The tour, the tour. The t- I'm sorry, the tour. Y'all, come on, work with me. Here it is. So Pastor Brett points out, or the tour guide points out, this is the Watergate Hotel. Where the, th- the hotel where the Watergate happened. And I immediately was reminded of Chuck Colson. Anybody know who Chuck Colson is? Chuck Colson was a young attorney that got caught up in that. He went to jail for 11 months. Listen to what I'm about to say about failure. He made some very poor choices, very bad decisions. Now watch this, watch this. If you don't know about Chuck Colson, he went to prison for 11 months. He got born again in prison and he now has the largest, he's pe- deceased now, but prison fellowship came out of Chuck Colson's heart when he was in prison. In other words, you can make your failure a tombstone or a stepping stone where you can make your, listen, your point of pain a place of mission. Oh man, he's helped a whole bunch of people. How many of you know he stopped asking why and he started asking now what? Say it. What now? Not why, but say it. What now? All right, so there's the fall. His focus was on himself. Then he started turning up and now enters into the third scene. Watch Jesus. And this is where I believe the Lord is right now with each one of us. Some of you experience failure. You need to hear a fresh understanding of John chapter 21. I believe the Lord is speaking to us. Watch this. Again, after the resurrection, Jesus, is, he dies on the cross. Third day, he's raised from the dead. You know Paul the apostle In the book of Corinthians, Paul actually says that Jesus appeared to 500 people after the resurrection. Did did y'all know that? Matter of fact, he was on this earth 40 days, and then Acts chapter 1-8, the divine ascension happened 10 days before Pentecost. So Jesus appeared to 500 people. Paul the apostle said that. One of those people that he appeared to was Peter. John chapter 21, this is post-resurrection. Watch what happens. The Bible says, now when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, or Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. By the way, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Watch how many times Jesus asks Peter the question. Do you know every time, listen, we fail, the enemy is right there to suggest to us God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. Your life's finished. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never do what you really could have done for God. You know what? After all, you're really not what this thing's... Oh, oh man, the lies are right there. Every time Jesus is asking Peter a question, it was to uproot one lie and then uproot another lie. Watch this right here. And he said to him a second time. Everyone say second time. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. What was he doing? He was shifting his perspective off of himself and he was putting his perspective back on God and God's call for his life 
Watch this. He said to him a third time. How many times did he deny Jesus? Say it. Three times. How many questions did he ask? Three times. Every time he was uprooting the lie of the enemy. And he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, listen, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Everyone say, feed my sheep. Why did he say that? Peter, even though you failed, even though you messed up, you still have a call on your life. I still love you. I still want to use your life. Get your eyes off yourself and put your eyes on me and my call in your life. I know what some of you think, Pastor, are you advocating sin? Of course I'm not advocating sin. I am advocating forgiveness. I am advocating the grace of God. I am advocating the blood of Jesus to cleanse us, to give us a new hope, a new reason to live, a new reason to get out of bed in the morning. The fact of the matter is there's two reasons why we experience failure. Sometimes we experience failure because of our own personal choices. Sometimes we experience failure because of circumstances. But whether it's our choices or whether it's circumstance that we didn't create, the enemy still is there to call us nothing, no good, no future, no hope. Jesus is there to say, feed my sheep. Get your eyes on my destiny for your life. Get your eyes on my calling. Don't look within. Look up, look up, look up. Some of you experienced brokenness, you've experienced divorce, you've experienced something with a kid, you're thinking, I did the same thing with all of them. <laughs> what happened? Come on, can we get real in God's house? You're thinking, my gosh, I brought him to church, I did whatever, and yet I've got this one, I've got this one child, I've got this one child. Everybody, everybody's got something. Everybody's got something. I think there's something about, listen, I don't believe God causes, but God uses it. Peter, get your eyes up. Get your eyes. By the way, what did Peter go back to? Fishing. What do we often do after failure? We go back to what is familiar, what is safe, and what is secure. But I mean, you know, following Jesus, you got to get out on the water again. You got to step out again. You got to get your eyes back on God's call for your life. All right, let me give you three things and I'll close. Pastor, okay. Okay, I need a fresh start with God. Let me give you three real quick. Y'all learn anything so far? Are y'all excited to be in God's house? Come on. All right, here we go. Three things, three ways to a fresh start. I got 10 minutes and we'll close. Number one, return to God and confess your sin. It may sound simple, but it's deeply profound. It's amazing how failure often drives us away from God when it should drive us to God. It's amazing. We fail, we mess up with him. Man, I'm just not gonna go to God anymore. I won't talk to God. I won't go to church. Man, everybody in church is perfect. That's a lie. Matter of fact, somebody asked us one time, I'm looking for a healthy church. It was a guest. I'm looking for a healthy church, good church, healthy church. You know, solid, sound church, healthy church. I mean, good people, good people. Just some good people. Praise God, good people. Y'all good people here at Christ the King. It's Church of the King, first of all. It's not Christ the King, it's Church of the King. If you're going to insult me, get my name right. But anyway, so we're looking for good people. I said, don't come to this church. Why? Because we are people that are broken, messed up, and redeemed by God people. And you wouldn't fit. You're too healthy for us. You're too whole. God loves to use imperfect people. Why? So that when God does something great with your life, everybody goes, you're not that good. That's God. That was God. That's God. There's no way that was you. That was God. Everybody say return to God. You got to return to God. Don't run from God. Run to God. Matter of fact, I, you know, we live in a smaller community where our main campus is and you know, so I'll see people, and I know, you know, I knew that I walked in this one restaurant, and this person, I knew they were just kind of in a 
tailspin in their life. And so that, you know, they rep, they, you know, the pastor kind of represents, I'm not God. We represent God's, trust me, I'm not God. Ask my wife. And, uh, but, but, you know, so we represent God's voice in, in people's lives. And what's interesting is they got up and they left and went out the restaurant. I followed them. I'm like, what's up? Where are you going? I'm, no, no, Pastor, no, oh, man, Pastor. I'm not, no, Pastor. I said, no, and I, I said, no, well, why are you keeping, no, 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 stop. God loves you, oh, Pastor, you know, so I'm just messed up. I said, listen, you don't run from God, you run to God. God loves you. God, what is the forgiveness and what is the blood of oh, Christ all about? It's amazing how we run from God. We run, by the way, forgiveness is free to us. It costs Jesus a lot. Matter of fact, I, I teach this little principle when I, when I talk about reconciling relationship, not just with God. 1 John 1, 9, if, we're, if God is faithful and just to cleanse us and to, and to forgive us, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, confession is healthy for the soul. Can I tell you something? Confession of sin is not only healthy in your soul related to God, but also to those that you've offended this way. For instance, my wife. One time, my wife and I got in a fight. Well, actually, we don't, we're past, we don't get in fights. We get in healthy discussions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got in a healthy discussion. So she's, we were arguing, and she goes, she did this to me. She goes, you just, Steve, you just need to go pray. And I said, you're not, not going to be the second woman that sends me to my room in my life. <laughs> you know what I did? I went and prayed. <laughs> and so I went, my, I just went and prayed. And I said, God, first thing I said, because I'm man of God, you know. And I said, God, you better be talking to that woman right now. in the name, Because, I mean, I want to be honest before Jesus. So, of course, you know, it's hard to stay hard in your heart with your spouse when you start praying. Isn't that right? You can't. I mean, your heart and the Holy Spirit just starts softening your heart. So I go over there to the room. You know, she's got the door closed. So I knock on the door. Honey, listen, I'm sorry. Four things. I'm going to teach you guys. Ready? Everybody say, I'm sorry. sorry. Say, I was wrong. wrong. Please forgive me. me. I won't do it again. Now, if you just say, I'm sorry, that's not repentance. I'm sorry is, I'm sorry, basically like take the pressure off. But then you say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Ownership. Please forgive me. I need a gift back from you called forgiveness. Forgiveness. All right? So I said, honey, listen, I go through the whole thing. Honey, listen, listen, I, I'm so sorry. Listen, I was wrong. Okay, I was wrong. I was wrong. Not you. I was wrong. Please, because that's, because that, that, I'm, I'm looking at a cue card. No, I'm just joking. I'm not, I'm just, that's not, no, that's not true. <laughs> I'm just like, please, honey, I'm just, please forgive me. Okay, I'm so sorry. And so she doesn't open the door. I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. So I'm, I said, I'm coming in. Oh, she's in the bathroom. So I go over to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I said, honey, listen, I, you know, look, I, I'm sorry. I, I was wrong. I was wrong. Please forgive. She's not saying anything. Okay. You're going to do this to me. Okay. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to show her. Honey, I, uh, I, 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 listen, I am so sorry. I cannot believe she's, I cannot believe you're doing this to me. I'm so sorry. And I, listen, I was wrong. Did I say I was wrong? I was wrong. I cannot believe this. Man, if the kids come in here, I'm going to have to watch a Joyce Meyer video on overcoming rejection after this. I, this is, this is, I'm serious. I can't believe I'm actually doing it. And so finally, I just got up. I just opened that door. So I'm just coming in. She wasn't even in there. <laughs> You know, God's got a way. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
God has got a way. I'm with you. Everybody say, own it. You just got to own it. You just got to own it. Whatever your thing was, whatever your choice was, you got to own it. Let me just say this. Failure is an event. It's not a person. If you think it's a person, I'm just a failure. No, you failed. You made a mistake. Let me say, that doesn't define who you are. Are you with me? That's not your identity now, failure. No, you fail. By the way, you know the difference between condemnation and conviction? Condemnation is from the devil, and it's cloudy, it's foreboding, it's you are a mistake. Here's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's really pointed and it's specific is you made a mistake, own it. You see the difference? One is you are a mistake, the other one is you made a mistake. All right, let me give you this. Oh, gosh, I got to finish up here. Number one, we got to own it. Number two, we've got to learn to live renewed in the love of God. We got to learn to live renewed in the love of God. I wrote this down. When we fail, we often think that God has rejected us. Christ covers all of our sins and washes them away. There's no hesitation by Jesus in accepting Peter back. He doesn't tell Peter. He says, Peter, listen, let me tell you what I'm going to do with you. Peter, um... You know, you really could have been somebody, but geez, you really, I mean, I want you on the team, but you're going to, but you're not going to be like in the front. I mean, that's just, I mean, you're going to, you'll get the ball every now and then, you know what I'm saying? So, but just, I mean, but, but, but you can stay on the sidelines and you can watch. At least you're dressing out for the game. <laughs> no, he said, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you the quarterback. And on the day of Pentecost, you're going to throw the touchdown pass. You're going to be the first preacher. Isn't it interesting that Jesus made a denier the first deliverer of the gospel? Come on, are you all with me or not? Is that powerful or what? Is that powerful? We've got to learn to live renewed in the love of God. We've got to bathe ourselves in the love of God each day, allowing the Holy Spirit to wash us, to cleanse us, to make us new. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall our failures, shall our mistakes, whether it happened to us, whether we caused it, whether it was the devil that caused it, whether it was somebody else, who shall separate us? Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing shall. You are loved of God. Peter, you're loved of God. Peter, you're called of God. Ma'am, you're loved of God. I look at every single one of you. You're loved by God. You're called by God. Nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. Let me give you the last and final thing and, 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 and we'll close. So number one, sometimes we experience failure because of our choices. But sometimes we experience failure because of circumstances. You invested in a business. You thought the market looked good, that there was a downturn. You didn't see it. That's not a sin issue. That was a circumstantial issue. Are you with me? But failure, what I found is the emotion that impacts you. When you fail, it's so strong. Sometimes it gets cloudy. It, doesn't, it kind of merges together, whether it's sin or whether it's circumstances. You just feel down. Let me give you one scripture. I'll close. One concept. We've got to learn from it and let it go. Whatever the failure is, we've got to learn from it and let it go. I wrote this down. If we are still grieving and feeling sorry or sorrowful over a failure or a disappointment that took place years ago, we need to come to a place of release in our life. If we don't let it go, we are hindering our future. We cannot unscramble eggs. It's done. Let the past be the past. You're, are you with me? We got to get, get, we got to get up and we got to go on. It's not why it's what now, where are we going? When are we going? Let's do this thing, God. Come on. We've got to own it. 
We got to get bathed in God's love. We got to move on. Let me just say this, and I'll close with this. Last week I was going to Florida, and I got off. I was on, there was a, there was some some um, traffic and congestion and all this stuff, and uh, there was a um, uh, construction road construction. I don't know what we used to do before we had this, but how many of y'all love your GPS on your phone? How many of y'all love MapQuest? Don't y'all love that? Isn't that wonderful? What we we used to do is ask people at the gas station, bring a map. Y'all kids don't know that, but anyway, so. So, so I got off the interstate. Let me tell you what it did. Let me tell you what it did. My GPS rerouted me. Let me give you the best reroute scripture in the Bible. It's my favorite scripture because some of you need, a, you need to memorize this first because God's trying to reroute you. You got off and, you're try, and you've been off for a while, but God's got a reroute to get you back on. Are you with me? There's a reroute to get. God doesn't want you off. He wants you in the flow. He wants you in your call. He wants you in God's plan for your life. Romans 8, 28, and I'll close. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Everybody to stand with this scripture. Here it is, Romans 8, 28, all right? And we know that all things, everyone say all things. All things. Okay, now let's pause there for a moment. Pastor, do you really mean all things? The Bible says all things. We know that all things work out together for what? Say it, good. To those who love God, <clears throat> not those that are perfect, those that never make a mistake. No, those that love God and those who are called according to his purpose. I'm going to say this about your life. That is a heavenly GPS scripture. You've got to get up and get moving and get past the past. We can't let our past define us. We let God's word define us. We let God's future be before us. We're not going to let our mistakes, somebody else's mistakes, define who we are, what we are, and where we're going. We're letting God's word do it. And God says all things work together for good. God's got a plan and a purpose, sir, for your life. God's got a plan, ma'am, for your life. The Bible says the righteous may fall down seven times. Seven, not once, not twice, not three times, seven times, but they rise again. God wants you to rise in faith, rise in confidence. Come on. That's God's plan for your life.